they say these things, right? One's more important than the other, that the golfer's more important or the, or the equipment's more important. And it's always both. I've never seen a golfer play golf without equipment. And I've never seen equipment, never seen a stand bag just walking down the fairway <laughs> without a golfer, you know? Hello friends, we're back with episode 44 of No Putts Given, and today the boss is away, so we're gonna have fun breaking down the top five golf equipment myths, and then we're introducing a new section of the website, and then we're giving you a chance to participate in my golf spy testing. So guys, let's get it. 44. No Putts Given is powered by My Golf Spy, the most extensive reviews in golf. Before you buy, my Golf Spy. Nine million readers do it every year. Check us out. This is the uh, Icky Woods edition. All right, like I said, welcome back. We've got Tony, Harry, and Chris. I'm Miranda. Adam's not here this week, guys, so are we going to talk about him? He's living in a van down by the river, right? That's. I think it's a little fancier than that, but... You know, we could go that way. Well, he's, he's living in an RV down by the ocean. <laughs> yes. It's more accurate. Not quite so bad. <laughs> really classing it up a little bit with that, I guess. So how's everybody been this week? Good? Not too bad. Yeah. Took the family yeah. camping. Yeah. You, you are also in a van down by the river. I was in a, I was in a tent down by, uh, on a mountain. I was in a so tent on a mountain. So you went real camping, like tent and sleeping bags? Yeah, I don't, I don't do this glamping stuff mm. this is like real color <laughs> real colorado camping you know like tents i stay at a three-star hotel <laughs> when i want to rub it <laughs> yeah tony's camping rhymes with schmilton <laughs> <laughs> really i thought he would have been at the lariat <laughs> yeah it could be could be all right guys well like i said we're gonna have a little fun today um and break down the top five golf equipment myths um so i've got a couple lined up for us and if you disagree with me and you have more entries by all means cut me off and let me know but the number one that i have here is that newer is better and i think this is a free-for-all any of you guys can take this one but why would that be a myth it's a i mean it's it's, it it's almost one of those myths that's like almost so commonplace that people stop trying to think about it a little bit, right? Like mm -hmm. it's, and, and it's one of those ones I think where there's some nuance to it because each year something is better, right? You can't, they can't come out with a product and say, oh, this product is just the same and, and equally <laughs> uh, as performance oriented as our last three editions. And, and here's to justify a price increase or something like that. So it's almost so commonplace within, in, you know, within the industry that people kind of stop thinking about it a little bit. And I think part of the reason companies can get away with that to some degree is new equipment is probably better in some way, in some fashion, by some marginal amount for some player. Well, wouldn't it also have something to do, let's use drivers, for example, when you bought your last driver. So say you bought a driver last year. Is it necessary that you have the newest model every year? No. Not necessarily. I would say like three to five years, right? That's, yeah, that's that's typically what the what even the industry will tell you is you know, you talk to the R and D guys, it's you know, it takes us three to five years to make significant changes. You know, golfers love to draw parallels with the with the auto industry for whatever reason, right? And so if you if you want to think about it in that context, like a car, you know, the Honda Ridgeline that came out the year after mine wasn't significantly different. It was a new feature here or there, probably the same engine, same performance, just a just a different bell and whistle combination more than anything else. Now 
three years from now, that that truck's probably going to look quite a bit different than than the one I bought, and that's that's true for a lot of golf equipment. And I think probably the best way to think about it, and Chris touched on this a little bit too. I have a I have a buddy in the industry who's been in there a long, long time, seen just about everything. What he's told me, and for any given golfer, a new piece of equipment is either going to be better, worse, or the same. And it, it really does come down. Those are the three options, <laughs> right? That's but it's it's going to be one of those three things. And and newer newer, I like to say, is different, right? And sometimes for you as an individual, newer is going to be better. Sometimes newer is going to be the same. And unfortunately, sometimes newer is going to be worse because when they when they move around centers of gravity and tweak performance attributes, you, you may have a driver where the what it, what becomes the old model was pretty much ideal for you in those tweaks that they made to to make it better for a segment of golfers actually makes it worse for you and and that can happen and i think you know that that's just really how it is there are no guarantees no i think it's fun to look like um look on champions tour if you want to look at the professional level or look at elite amateur players look at division one players that are super good players even look at you know guys at your or gals at your club that are maybe some of the better players and look in their bags and it's really interesting to see um you know what equipment they're playing i remember looking this was maybe last year or the year before but man there were a lot of 2016 tailor-made m2 drivers on the champions tour because it's a great model great it's you know and, and people get comfort with that, and then okay, three five years later, so that'd be about now, right? Maybe Sim gives them enough different performance. Maybe it's a Tour Edge product with their new line, the two twenty stuff, that gives them some type of performance advantage. But probably make an argument between twenty sixteen M two and twenty twenty now, probably not a lot of differences. You alluded to my next question a little bit, Chris, but can you think of any one piece of equipment that has outlasted the technology changes that you would never let out of your bag or maybe consumers haven't? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I would, my hunch would be it would tend to be in that three wood kind of hybrid space or certain irons. I mean, we've seen this with uh, especially guys that play. Uh, you know, a traditional cavity back, like a player's cavity back iron or a, or a true muscle back iron. We've seen Adam Scott stick with, um, you know, Titleist models in the muscle back area that are, what, 8, 10, 12 years old. Webb Simpson, um, the same. You could make an argument. Tigers, irons now, even with TaylorMade, fundamentally, hasn't changed a whole lot since MP29, MP14 stuff with Mizuno that he was playing into the Nike stuff, etc. So... Yeah, blades, blades don't change. I mean, if people find a three-wood that they really, really like, because really, other than your driver, all your different clubs should have kind of a speed limit. And if you find a club that fits that tool, that does exactly what you want it to do, and, and the combination of hitting it off the tee and off the deck and the shots you try to play with it, I would imagine you'd see some pretty old three-woods in players' bags where they don't upgrade even every three to five years, maybe seven to ten. That's the well, one think, yeah. in my bag that that tends to be the stickiest as well. And I mean, <laughs> you guys know I move stuff in and out of the bag at, a, at a, an alarming rate when different things come into play with. But three woods tend to stick around. Like I'll get two to three years out of a three wood, and I know that's a little bit atypical. Like most people will get more, but you know when you you consider like the volume of equipment that that we're essentially supposed to try and and test out and play with for for me to go, yeah, no, this is this one is not open for conversation is uh that's a rarity and yeah like i said that is the the three wood spot in the bag 
Harry, how about you? Any old faithfuls? Uh, yeah. I mean, for me, it's a lot of comfort. Um, if I remember hitting a, a similar shot and I, and I hit a shot that is really, really good over and over and over again, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go to that when I'm on that tee and I know that feeling of, of familiarity and I get to, it gives me confidence when I said, oh, which is weird because we know that it doesn't correlate to performance, but I, if it's anything to do with equipment, I'm kind of a shaft guy. Like if it's, I have this, yes, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> um, I tried out uh, the Ventus Black in my three wood and it it didn't quite outperform my um, Aldila Proto by U shaft that was 10, 15 years old. Um, I st- it just kicks at the right point and, and it's just smooth. I can feel everything, every layer of that shaft. And I'm more confident on that than I was the Ventus. So I, I went back to that. Now, granted, the Ventus is a great, great shaft, but this one just fit me perfectly. Now, the things I would change is wedges. That's definitely one I would change probably every year. It all depends on how much you play because the more you you wear down the grooves, the, the less spin you're going to and control you're going to get on the greens. Um, I think it's what, I think, uh, was it Voki and Tyler said it was, 70 rounds or something like that you start seeing uh, diminishing returns on that yeah plus or minus 75 rounds conditions how much you practice sandy ranges this that but the difference right is changing because something's wearing out as opposed to changing because there's a performance benefit from something correct yeah right so like i think i want to say it was an sm6 model 60 degree that brooks kepka was playing they just could not get it out of his bag he loved that particular grind loft bounce combination um and the sm7 didn't have it sm8 uh i don't know if he's transitioned to that in his 60 degree yet or not but you know certainly wearing something down and replacing it um great example would be daniel berger right he won a couple weeks ago and he has the the tailor-made cbs in his bag from again i don't know i want to say 2012 11, long 12, we'd ago, have to yeah. check, long time ago. And, and he's saying, hey, I'm on eBay. I'm buying up every single set. These are the best irons ever made. And, and what he's not saying in there, but but is implicit, is these are the best irons made for me. And I found the, the balance of feel, forgiveness, trajectory, et cetera, it works for me. So I'm going to go buy as many of these things as I can on eBay. And I'm just going to I'm gonna run them until there's something that's so obviously better. I have to switch. I'm implored to switch. Um, you know, there's a lot of those stories that are out there. And again, this guy that, you know, probably could get a little bit of money from an equipment deal if he wanted to with irons, but not interested. All right, let's move on to number two. Longer is better. You guys look at the test data, right, Tony? I know. I mean, with irons specifically, right? Like, is it true that the longest irons tend to be the highest performing irons or is it not true? Irons are tricky and we've sort of you know, tried to find the right balance in, in quantifying that the distance. I think we've we've done that for for this year. We figured some things out with our iron test where I think we'll we'll do a better job with that of really understanding if there is a penalty for for an iron that is longer, that sort of thing. So, you know, in that respect, uh, you know, traditionally irons that that are significantly longer than the, the average for the category tend to not do particularly well. And usually it's because of, of Jack lofts that don't have the performance accounted for, I guess is, is how I would phrase that. So 
for the right type of golfer with the right type of well-designed, strongly lofted off uh, iron, you can, you'll can you see the high launch and the descent angles you need to hold greens. But, but some of these are still, you know, where the technology hasn't really kept pace with the bending machine, if you will. So <laughs> it's just sort of, you know, kind of this, yeah, we, we can hit them a long way, but the, the, the launch, the spin characteristics and the descent angles aren't particularly functional. Well, we talk about with iron specifically, right? Like, you know, Tony, you always mentioned smaller circles are better. And and what we mean by that is, right, measurements of dispersion, both front, back, you know, how far a club goes from its shortest distance to its longest distance on average, but then also right, left dispersion. We tend to think yeah. of that somewhat to some degree more as accuracy, right? So if, you know, like, was it last year and the year before we saw Mizuno irons test super well, and that was because they weren't the longest, but they tended to create the smallest circles, for golfers. And if the fact is, if you start hitting certain clubs further, it, it starts to put pressure on other gaps within your bag. And so I don't know that there's a club that I necessarily want to hit further other than a driver. And even so, not at a certain expense of accuracy. And I think we have numbers on that too, right? Like what, how much further is actually better with a driver if I'm going to give up some accuracy? Well, let's simplify this a little bit. Companies know what sells and distance sells. So are they making clubs, whether it be irons, drivers, three woods, whatever it may be, are they making them longer in order to make sales, but sacrificing other things like accuracy? Like Abs you were saying. Yeah, there. absolutely. And absolutely. I think I think when you talk to them kind of quietly, they will acknowledge us to a degree, especially with the irons, right? Um, mm -hmm. It. You have to keep in mind, right? We'll talk about fitting here in a bit. Um, but as, as much as we say, hey, you should get fit, and as, as we're seeing those percentage of golfers who actually do get fit tick up, uh, the reality is the the majority of golf equipment sold today is still purchased off the rack, which you know is either worst case scenarios an eBay purchase, best case in that scenario is a guy goes in and grabs a few clubs that he, he likes the look of, hits them on a launch monitor, and more often than not buys the one that he hits the farthest. And that that's true for drivers, it's true for three woods, and it's it's true for irons as well. So, you know, in the hitting base scenario, and golf companies, like I said, are very aware of this, that in, in a hitting base scenario, even with an iron, longest wins in terms of that's the yeah. one that people are going to take home with them. So, yeah, there is a bit of an engineering game to, to try and, to win the distance battle. And there's some, you know, some rumors, for example, that, that within, with fitting heads, companies might bend them a, a degree or two stronger still to, 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 again, you know, if you're going to put that in a, in a big box store where, where fitting sometimes isn't what it is that, like we say, like a true spec TXG, cool clubs, et cetera. Uh, if you can win that way for, for that kind of golfer, it's, it's not unheard of. So yeah. Sorry. I mean, I think I think I think some I think some of them it depends on what demographic you are. If you're the older generation and you've lost some of the distance that you've had and you and you play one of those corsets, you don't need to carry it over bunkers or whatever it is. I think longer is better for them because they can get a little bit of distance that they lost back. It's where you get into carrying bunkers and you have to carry a certain yardage and then hold the green afterwards. I think comes into play where it becomes an issue. But for those courses, like a Lynx course, where it, it, you're trying to run it short of the green and then bounce it up um, majority of the time, I think that's more of a, a, a good option for them. So our advice to consumers is pay attention to all aspects of a club, not just distance. 
Absolutely. And we see, again, the driver test is a, is a great example where the longest club uh, seldom wins. I don't want to say never. Mm-hmm. We've seen that, but it, it's really, especially using a strokes gain methodology where you, you sort of bring an appreciation of the reality that a, a second shot from the rough is almost invariably more difficult, uh, has a lower success rate farther proximity of the pin than a uh, on average than a second shot from the fairway if you were to kind of rank you know hey what are the top 10 for distance and the and the top 10 for fairway uh, fairway percentage and where do they overlap that's mm-hmm. kind of where we start to see you know what we would say is is the best performers uh, again this is a loose stagner type set where if you took an average tour pro uh, on let's say a 400 yard par four and you take one player in the fairway and another player in the rough, in order for that player in the rough to have the same strokes gained uh, opportunity, basically they're going to play the hole as well as the person that's playing in the fairway, they had to be like 53 to 58 yards ahead of that person in the fairway. So, so yeah, yeah, it's it's right out of Mark Brody's tables. It's a, it's a big number like that. That penalty in terms of, all right, where's the break-even point between in the rough and in the fairway? Like, how how much longer do I need to be in the rough to offset the fairway benefit? And it's it's pretty massive. And so when you try and make sense out of what we see in Most Wanted, my takeaway is always, yeah, guys, you know, the numbers say longer is better. We all get that. But you're not going to be appreciably longer. You're not going to be 30 yards longer with a TaylorMade or 50 yards longer with a Callaway than you would be with a Cobra or Ping or a Titleist or something like that. And so in that sort of total performance, is this going to lower my scores type of equation? You really probably should weight it heavily towards the straightness of the drives, knowing that on the on the on the distance side, you're only going to give up five or so yards, give or take, yeah. and and that's that's not enough to overcome the difference between being right. in the in the in the fairway a significantly higher percentage of the time. Yeah, so find the driver, find the straightest driver you hit the furthest. Yes. All right, I like that. So number three, I think we can debunk this one pretty quickly. Are milled putters better than cast putters? No, no. no reason- number four. Yep, that's what I thought. (laughs) We'll break this down super quickly. The reason is because milled putters are typically more expensive, so people equate cost with quality. But Harry, was the Odyssey Triple Track 2 ball a milled or a cast putter this year? It was a cast. It was not milled. And how often do milled putters win the test over cast putters? Well, there's, there's, there's... The element with milled putters versus cast putters is inherently the feel aspect they they normally say that milled putters is more is softer off off the face than a cast but some cases that is true like the mizuno this year when i rolled the mizuno it had the same feel as the forged iron for instance did it perform as well as the triple track no but it did do well so it swings and roundabouts really but generally no it's yeah, yeah it's 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 true for pretty much any club but you could have the conversation about where it's it's not how it's made it's not you know whether it's milled or cast or in the iron space forged or cast it's it's what are the technology benefits right it's 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 not the the manufacturing process itself as a as a choice between a or b it's everything else that goes into the design that that dictates whether or not it performs well let's say it all at once are milled putters better than cast putters no 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 
Okay, number four. (laughs) So we've got this debate here that it's the archer, not the arrow. And let's put this into perspective. Let's call Tiger Woods the archer and let's call his equipment the arrows. Does it matter what Tiger Woods plays or is he always going to win all of these majors? Tiger is notoriously finicky about his equipment. So I think Tiger would probably be the first guy to tell you that the equipment actually does matter. Yeah. Uh, So that might be the extreme example, but as a general rule, what I would say is probably the, the less skillful uh, that the archer is, the more important the arrow becomes. (laughs) (laughs) Harry, why don't we use you as an example? When you first got to my golf spy, you didn't, tailor your equipment via data. You were an all-American golfer, but you got to my golf spy, and what did you discover? That I was giving up so many strokes around um, just by getting getting the equipment based to my swing and not changing my swing to equipment. Um, how much, was the how much longer thing. off the tee are you now? Yeah. Strictly oh, based wow. on, I mean, ballpark it, based on equipment alone. 40 yards? So for driver... When I hit my driver well, it's probably about 295 in college, spinning about three and a half thousand revs. <laughs> um, and now I'm averaging about 315 to 320, um, spinning at about 21 and launching at about 13, 13 degrees ish. But when I do go after one, I can get it to 335. But then my dispersion goes like, Wee. yeah. So if we're talking <laughs> only distance, best for best, forty yards longer, obviously on average, around twenty five, thirty yeah. yards longer. So you're that's two to three clubs, right, coming into a par four, or second shot into a into a par five, and you know the reality is, it, it's this dichotomous thinking where people want to they they say these things right to to try to prove or try to take a statement that one's more important than the other, that the golfer's more important or more important or the or the equipment's more important and it's always both yeah you have to find that you have to find the balance yeah i've never seen a, i've never seen a golfer play golf without equipment and i've never seen equipment never seen a stand bag just walking down the fairway <laughs> without a golfer you know and so it's always both and it's too simple to say oh it's the you know the player i could i could put a broomstick in tiger's hands and he would putt well with it well yeah he probably would but would he putt better with something designed fit etc form of course he would yeah you hear quite a bit the argument right people will be like yeah it's not the equipment just just learn how to swing or something like that right (laughs) i love that just learn how to swing and so as if there's there's a a right way to swing and yeah there there are definitely some wrong ways to swing uh but but the idea of like yeah you know if you just learn to swing you can play anything and my pushback on that i I always go to the tailor-made staff right because they've got rory and tiger and dustin and john rom and and jason day and this this list that goes on and on and on and and i would imagine that among those those you know handful of top tier elite best in the world best of the best in the world golfers you wouldn't find a lot of overlap in, for example, the shafts that they're playing, the long drivers, the settings of those drivers, right? So all these things are different uh, configurations for for the best of the best. So the idea, you know, clearly being that that the equipment makes a difference, even if it's just the fine-tuning aspect. The equipment makes the difference for the very best players in the world. So to to think that it wouldn't for average golfers who need every bit of help they can possibly get is, is patently right. absurd. Would you tell your, would you tell your daughter going out for a run, say, Hey, Hey, just put on dad shoes, learn how to run. 
<laughs> you, you you figure it out, kid. Have a better gait. Have a better stride. You go figure it out. You never do that, right? Because it seems so ridiculous. But for whatever reason, we lose all abilities of objectivity when we think about golf equipment. Okay, number five. This one's going to be interesting for us because we are the world's biggest advocates for getting fit. However... We also know the realities of the fitting world. So we got a, this is a Facebook comment, right? I think that started this. Yeah. 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 So let's break this down a little bit. Getting fit is always better with caveats. It's like anything else, right? There's, there's always some sort of disclaimer that you need to attach. And we've talked about this before. Yes. Yes. You, you should, you should get fit for your driver and your fairway woods and your hybrids and your irons and your wedges and your putter too. And while we're at it, yeah, get fit for your golf ball like that. Cause you and, know, and your shoes, you probably already shoes. got fit for your shoes, but <laughs> we say that with the understanding that not everybody has a, a true spec or a TXG or cool clubs again, et cetera, et cetera, nearby. One of the the person I can't remember his name who left the comment was like, "Hey, yeah, but you know, it's it's easy to say go get fit. Tony always says go get fit, but you know, it's not easy. I'm in I'm in the New York State Capital District, and you know, whatever. I believe that's what he said. I'm like, well, I'm I'm in the New York State Capital District, and and it is tough. And again, this is not what it's not the dream scenario where it's brand agnostic. You have a the full table of, of options to choose from. But if you want a wedge fitting, the Titleist rep does the Titleist Thursdays. He he can do a wedge fitting. You can get Wait, that okay. near me. I have a question here. Not everywhere. So you brought this into a question that I've been wondering about fitting from the start. You mentioned a Titleist rep. And my thought here is that if a person is fitting for Titleist, their sole job is to fit them in Titleist clubs. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what yep. if you have a golfer that doesn't fit Titleist? So are fitters that are employed by companies fitters or sales reps? Yes, both of yes. those things, right? <laughs> okay. And yes. so you've you've got to want you have to be comfortable saying, "Hey, I'm I'm going to I'm going to take my chances that getting fit for a Vokey, for example, will put me in a better performance position than buying off the rack." for just about any other company because that that's the that's the wedge fitting that's available in my area but i mean realistically i mean like you said we've we've got a a, a really good titleist rep in my area there okay. there are going to be parts of that company who may have a bad titleist rep or no rep at all or right. you know we think about oh. it or like this world where hey yeah you just you just drive 15 minutes down the road and you go to a fitter but we're also aware of the fact there are pockets of the country where you can drive two hours down the road and still not get to a to a good brand agnostic full service fitter. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I get it. It's it's not well, an ideal situation, and I unfortunately, I, other than hey, that that's why we built True Golf Fit for the driver is for mm-hmm. guys who who can't get fit or didn't want to get fit. Uh, but beyond that, yeah, it's I, I don't have any great answers. I kind of want to pose this question to any fitters listening, and I know there is one that actually inspired this, so if he's listening, he knows exactly who he is. But what do you do, say you work for Callaway or Titleist or Ping, what do you do if you know you've got a guy that just doesn't fit in your company? Do you send them elsewhere? Are you honest with them, or do you find the closest thing within your company? What do, what do you think those fitters would say? I'm interested to see if anyone comes in the comments, but... Mm-hmm. I think it's depending on your moral compass. I think a lot of a lot of fitters will be, hey, look, this company doesn't fit your game. Here's one that might fit your game. And I don't think they'd lose anything from that. 
I think, if anything, they gain a lot more respect and a lot more credibility because they're saying, all right, this company's probably not best for you, but this company might be is good for you. It's just, that's a tough one. I think it's nice to think that a lot of reps would do what we would maybe consider the right thing and say, geez, you know, this, uh, I know that we need to correct this particular ball flight and the technology in this driver is a little bit better suited to you to do that. Um, but I think the reality is a lot of these people that are reps for certain companies do believe that they have a club that will fit every golfer. Say, hey, yeah, we have – I mean, if you talk to a company, right, talk to any OEM and say, all right, which which segment of golfers are you purposely leaving out of your lineup right now? Which are the ones that are going to be better served by another company? Um, I think you'd be hard-pressed to hear a company say, oh, yeah, I am specifically leaving out this segment. We're going to give that one to Ping this year. Oh, no, we're going to give those that group to Callaway this year. And so I think they do believe that they have, have clubs that can fit the vast majority of golfers and don't feel that they're doing a disservice to the golfer by giving them the best fit they can into the equipment that they, um, you know, that they have available to them. And you do run into best. some philosophical things too, right? So you mentioned like every company – believes they have something for everybody. But I think like ping doesn't make that, that ultra lightweight driver. And, and they, they do that for philosophical reasons, right? They're, they're trade-offs curves and to, to go with a super light head, you're going to give up MOI and, and forgiveness. And that's part and parcel to the, to the ping design philosophy. Titleist didn't have that driver before last year. That's, that's where the TS one came from, right? So mm -hmm. there are holes, whether or not they get acknowledged is a different <laughs> story, but I mean, we've heard, we've heard from countless golfers that, that have said, Hey, yeah, no, the fitter I worked with. And, and sometimes, you know, I've heard about it. Somebody mentioned it with a PXG fitter. I've heard about it from other, other brands as well, where the fitter couldn't beat a given club acknowledge that, Hey, our lineup for whatever reason doesn't fit you as well as somebody else's and so you should stick with the, with what you have now that's a lot easier to do if if the guy that you're having that conversation with you've already fit him and you just fit him into a set of irons a new hybrid and a fairway wood if you can't sell him a driver <laughs> for performance reasons you're probably all right with that but if if the guy comes to you for a one-hour driver fitting then i, I think you're going to work really really hard and, you know, it, it, it's individually for sure, you know, like well, Harry said, a, a moral, moral compass. Uh, and part of it may come down to, hey, what's uh, what's my month look like? I made my numbers, right? That's, these are real things. I also know that there's fitters that don't get paid per sale. They get paid per hour. So in that kind of aspect, they don't have an obligation to push product, even though they work for that company. For reference, the fitter that inspired this question did say that if he knew that a guy wasn't fitting into his equipment, he had other rep friends that he would send them to and say, hey, I think I might have a guy for you knowing that they might send somebody else back so that there was a give and take between the reps. So particular rep that I talked to said, no, we recognize it and we do what we can to help the golfer. But that doesn't mean that everyone is like that. That's yeah, it's it really is going to be an individual from rep to rep type of thing. And you hope mm -hmm. that, that most would, would acknowledge, Hey, yeah, you know what you're, we, we don't have the right club for you. And whether that's again, a guy who would legitimately benefit from a super lightweight driver or a guy who needs, you know, something super, super low spin, things like that. Mm -hmm. Everybody fits the middle, I think right. pretty well. It's just, all right, what, what happens when we get on these, these edges, these little niche areas where, quite frankly, there are companies who, who don't make products there because the market 
is so small for them. You, you can't make up the, the tooling costs and, and the R&D costs and things like that. Okay, so we're telling golfers, get fit, but be mindful. Do your research first, right? That's it. And All right. If you can't just, get fit, like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it kind of <laughs> sucks. If you can get fit by any, if you can get bit fit by any manufacturer, go just go get your numbers. Just go figure out your numbers and see what you 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 need like specs wise, and then go out and try these other ones that are Dick Sporting Goods or whatever, and just and then build them to your specs. All right, so that was the top five golf myths debunked. I think we did a fairly good job bringing reason to all of them. And just like we do every week, we're keeping you updated on everything coming out of the testing facility. This week, the best drivers for specific swing speeds. If your swing speed is below 94 miles an hour, you're in what we call the slow swing speed group. Our data says the Hanma XP1 is the best driver for golfers in this category. It was number one in strokes gained. We also named the Innesis 500 the most forgiving driver for slow swing speeds. So if you struggle to find the fairway, it's worth taking a look at the Innesis. You are a mid-swing speed golfer if your swing speed is between 95 and 105 miles an hour. In 2020, the Cobra King Speed Zone Extreme came out on top as the best driver for mid-swing speeds. It's a top finisher in distance with results nearly two yards longer than the field average. You might also consider the Wilson D7. It's the runner-up as well as the best value club. And last but not least, let's break down the best drivers for high swing speeds. The title is TS2 ranks number one for golfers who swing above 105 miles per hour. It came back as number one in strokes gained for this group. If you're looking to increase your distance, take a look at the TaylorMade Sim. It was 1.5 yards longer than the next closest club. For the rest of the results, head to mygolfspy.com. Next up. Tony, this one I want to give fully to you. We've got a new section of uh, the website that is launching. So can you give us the lowdown on tour stats? Yeah, so this is something we've been trying to figure out for a while is you know, my golf spy does not cover the tour. Mm. We, and again, we've covered it. It's because I don't care about the tour and Adam doesn't care about the tour. And that's, that's pretty much the extent of it. But you know, we also know that that golfers care about the tour and and so we were like, all right, how can we how can we do this in a way that that's unique, it's different, and, and potentially even fun? And and working with with Lou Stagner on our driver data and, and can you tell us about a, Lou a little bit? Yeah, so Lou, if you if you don't know, Lou Stagner is he's rapidly becoming one of the uh, the thought leaders in the golf statistical space, if you will. He's a uh, he's a data analytics guy by trade who who just happens to be a, a really kind of passionate golfer as well. And so he, he's over time, he's kind of delved into the golf stats area. He's, he started to work with tour players to improve their games as well. Uh, and so, you know, he, he kind of has a lot of insight into to tour data and things like that. So he's going to be putting together a series of articles for us. So when we talked to Lou, it just kind of clicked and, you know, he had some ideas. I'm like, yeah, this is what we've been looking for. Kind of data driven, related to the tour. And, and there's a way to kind of make this fun and interesting and, and just kind of a, a little different feel to, to a tour article than, than you see on most websites. And so, you know, the first one published today, and this is idea of, you know, because Bubba made a comment that, you know, playing with some guys is akin to a one or two stroke penalty. And so that, mm -hmm. that kind of triggered something in Lou's head. And I so would say it's the other way around. If I was so, we will, 
So he went, but Lou went digging into the data and sure enough, like he found guys like to say, Hey, if you're paired with this guy, you're the, the numbers say that you're, that a golfer is going to shoot X amount of strokes below his average or X amount of strokes <laughs> above his average. And, and the obvious one we looked at, right. What, what's it like playing with tiger on a fourth yeah. round on Sunday? And, and sure enough, what, what everyone has been assuming to be true or saying to be true for years is actually the case that, you know, if you're paired with, with tiger on a Sunday, it's, it's, a stroke plus penalty. What well, I, I don't have the actual date in front of me, but it's yeah, more than a stroke, right? Mm-hmm. Just a little over one, yeah. And it's 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 interesting just reading through some of the initial comments and and people's responses to this. It's it's interesting how even when you present it in such a data driven perspective, literally these are just the numbers. You know, we're we're taking these actual people. numbers, not not yeah. theoretical. You yeah, know. just like okay, you have person A and person B, and what happens when they play eighteen holes of golf together? And I think it was uh, Louis Oosthuizen where he had basically the largest negative effect on Louis, Louis the Jinx. <laughs> Louis the Jinx, and and guys are like, oh, you know, I, I've seen Louis. He's an amazing guy. I can't believe you would you know cast him in this negative light. And people love playing with Louis, and I know that to be true. And this is like, whoa, nobody said Louis was a bad guy. But doesn't doesn't Louis hate <laughs> golf? Did I did I hear him say he hate golf once? I don't know, but it, it it's I mean, like it's this is just what it is there there is absolutely no context or value statements being made around these people or or individuals and you know we could go through the list of each person right and say okay now what might be a reason you know, like is there something that could possibly explain this right tiger on a sunday okay we could dive into that intense guy massive galleries <laughs> just like just the Pressure. The pressure that comes with playing next to Tiger, uh, there, there are multiple sort of explanations there. And you, you right. look at a guy like Louie and you're like, you know, maybe he's like so fun to play with. He's such a great guy that it's almost disarming and you lose mm-hmm. kind of that focus and intensity. I don't know, right? Just pure speculation, but like, but hey, not, this, hey, these are Louis's, what the numbers are. Right. It's not like, hey, Louie's a giant dick. And nobody <laughs> likes to play with him, and therefore now we have numbers to back that up. Like that's that's not what it is, you know. That's just you know. But it is interesting, right? That that you do play better or worse relative to how you typically play based on uh, the constellation of the group that you're playing with. I think it could be one too. Like I've vibed with guys who, if you're in if you're in a tournament and everyone is doing terrible, it kind of you kind of fall into that same kind of characteristics too as well. Like I've, I can't play my best golf because I look around and they're looking for balls and I'm, and they're in bunkers and the blah, blah, blah. And they're shooting five or six over um, after a nine. So it's hard to really get focused in that way. But if on the flip side, if you're, if everyone is like a couple under and this, and you're in sync and you're playing well and you're trying to make birdie and then hoping they make birdie, it kind of brings you all up. Um, so you play better together. I think that also pays, plays to the effect. Well, there's your next Lou article, right? There is, you go. Is, that that my, is actually not the next Lou article. Okay. My strokes gained, my strokes gained or lost based on the score of my <laughs> playing partner, right? So if my playing partner plays better or worse than their average strokes gained, how does that impact me? So if That'd be interesting re- too. If someone has a really good round going, does that have a positive or negative impact on, on my round? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm excited to see what what Lou comes up with. 
new for us, different for us, but kind of really cool. So far, the response has been positive. The next one in the pipeline, I think, is is really cool. And the one after that is really cool, too. And so, you know, while we will have some some focus on obviously just tour and, and a lot of it will be contained to the tour itself, we're also working on some things that will take some of this tour data and this this kind of the tournament environment and make it relevant to the average golfer the average that's club what golfer. i was saying i was saying like how how are my stats compared to x on the on the pga are tour the obviously are you the jinx yeah. it could well be but that's the thing like i would like to find out how that is now obviously quantifiable it's kind of different because you're not playing the same course conditions um same time blah 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 but still i would love to see my my driver distance, my irons, my dispersion, blah, 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 um, compared to the big boys on tour and see how shit I am. It's kind of interesting. I, I bounced it off Lou. I'm like, have you given any thought to the, the kind of the gambling implications for this and the fantasy sports implications to know like, hey, if, if you're paired with, with Louie, if your guy's <laughs> paired with Louie on a, on a first or second round, like you may want to may want to go in another direction just, just based on, you know, you're looking at two strokes, give or take. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really kind of wild stuff. Yeah, and Lou's like really good at, at digging in and finding like some obscure random thing and, and you know, pulling it out and make it in, making it interesting and fun. Yeah, because you have a DFS that you run through like a strokes gain player filter prior to, you know, wagering. Hold on, break that down. A what? <laughs> so a what? DFS, a what? <laughs> DFS, like DFS, like daily fantasy sports, right? So you're ah, okay, doing like dra- <laughs> doing like DraftKings or whatever. So yeah, like I'm, okay. I'm setting my lineup this week, and it's like, oh man, I got to run that through the through the Stagner player, you know, profile yes. filter, and okay. see if that makes any sense. I needed you to put it in English for me. I need. There you go. That's a multi million dollar company right there. You could you could build right tour <laughs> right junkies. There. Tour junkies. If you're listening, there you go. There's your next filter idea. There we go. Okay, well, I think readers are really going to like that um, and are excited to see what's coming down the pipe. Um, but Harry, readers have another chance and listeners here have a chance uh, to be involved in my golf spy testing. We do something called member testing and XPUT is up next. Can you give us the lowdown on what the XPUT is and where readers and listeners can go to get involved and be part of testing? Well, you're not putting with your ex. I love the dad jokes. Anyway, it's a it's it's a putting uh, simulator which you can put up in your living room or wherever you have a spare bit of space and link it up your TV. And then you plant the plant the um, webcam on a on a level above above the putting mat and it's it's reading your stroke type, how many degrees you uh, go into out or out to in, whatever it may be, how fast the ball comes off your putter loft it comes off your putter and then you can play then you can have some fun with it you can have a competition with you and your friends it's just a really fun simulator and it's not breaking the bank either so that's it's one of those ones that if you get to be a tester of these um of these experts it's you're you're in you're in a good one there and where do you go to apply to be a tester it's on the forum i believe yeah yeah, we'll have a there'll be a link on the front page as well okay so you just follow awesome. the links and, and hope you're one of the lucky winners. Woo. All right, guys. Well, that's all I have for today. Anybody have any other fun tidbits that we need to share before we go? I had a lot of dad jokes, but apparently those are uh, uh, verboten now. Yeah, no, we are we are a dad joke-free zone. Give me one dad joke before we go. 
Um, oh, so this is uh, to the guy that invented the number zero. Oh, yes, okay. Yeah, thanks for nothing. Ah, yeah, <laughs> that guy. Thanks for nothing. That was good. I appreciate it. I kind of like it. Thank you, Harry. <laughs> and if you're out there listening, we want you to know just how much we appreciate you being here and listening to us, but we'd also appreciate some feedback. If you could take the time to drop us a line and leave a review, it would only help us get better and make sure that we keep catering to you at My Golf Spy and No Putts Given.